Hello, hello. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 60, and today we're going to be covering chapter 3 of Ephesians. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So we've been talking about how Paul is... um, talking about how God has been taking away the barriers that separate us from him and how the Gentiles are grafted in and that Jesus pays the ransom for both Jews and Gentiles. That's what we talked about last week mm-hmm. in um, in chapter two. And so we're going to um, talk about that even a little bit more today. Yeah, I like that. I, I read that somewhere about how God has taken away the barriers that separate us from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, which he obviously ultimately did that in Jesus. But then he's using Paul to remind everybody like that those barriers have been taken away. And I was thinking a lot about this of the, you know, how exciting that must have been for the Gentiles. And and then how what I wanted to know, like, what do the Jews think about that? Like, was there pride there? Like, oh, no, they're not yeah. allowed. If there had been animosity for that long, like, mm-hmm. there probably was some sort of, like, well, they don't deserve it. Yeah, and I mean, so if you didn't humbled. listen, yes, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, um, go back and listen, because we talk about some of that animosity between the Jews and Gentiles and just how extreme it was. Yeah. So, we'll yeah, I think you're today, right. Too, I like, think. I think that if if there had been for years, I mean, hundreds of years, then you would think that that would be hard for all of a sudden these people that you had a strong dislike Mm -hmm. for were all of a sudden like equal with you. Yeah. Like that's tough. Which is, you know, takes God's grace in what that looks like. And Paul's reminding of them like, Hey, you didn't earn this either. Mm -hmm. We're all on the same playing field here. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with verse one and go to verse six. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So yeah, he's reminding them again, like, hey guys, we're all saved by grace through the work that Jesus did on the cross. And I like how he he explains that it's a mystery, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't really try to like, I mean, he explains, you know, this is a mystery, the mystery that Gentiles are fellow heirs. So I think he's kind of explaining to the Jews, like, you're not going to understand this exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. But I love that he doesn't like say, here's the answer to the mystery. He's like, it's Mm -hmm. a mystery. Yeah. Sometimes we're not meant to like find the solution to the mystery, but to just marvel at the mystery itself. And I think it's one of those things too, that he's referring to the fact that God has known all along. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe it was hidden to us, maybe us being them, you know, maybe they didn't know. Um, but God's always known. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, Tony Renke, he had a really good quote on this because I think a lot of times we, we don't necessarily understand or we try to make it applicable to the day and age that we live in now. But what Tony, 
he says about um, this passage. He says, what stands out in Ephesians are the ways in which the defeat of the evil powers and principalities is made manifest. To put it bluntly, he says, the multi-ethnic church living in unity is a cosmic middle finger to the powers that have tried to divorce tried to force division and enmity among humanity. And I think that's really good because that is a way I think we can make it applicable today. Mm -hmm. Anytime we see like diversity and multi-ethnic church living together in unity, it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel. And it was the same back then where Gentiles and Jews were putting aside their, you know, animosity and their differences and understanding they have more in common because their identity in Christ than they ever had differences like that's like he says a middle finger to the evil that's been trying to force division and so I just I really loved how he said that so perfect yeah and I think it's a reminder when we do have um, these struggles within the body of Christ that like that's what Satan wants right and so we need to fight against that with everything we have you know when there's when there's um, this strife between fellow Christians like that's not good Mm -hmm. and that's not what God desires and so we need to do everything we can to put our differences aside and to reconcile with each other and um, to be on one mission together and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I think that's so important. And I loved that quote. I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) And I I really like that phrase, the the partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, because like Casey was talking about last week with our identity, it's, it's really... We have to root our identity, not in the fact that we're Gentiles, not in the facts that we're Jews, not in the fact that we go to this church or this denomination or this, you know, whatever it is, wherever, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a working mom, I'm a stay at home mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, those things, they may be part of, you know, what our identity, but our identity has to be solely rooted in the fact that we are all partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And that's going to tear down all those other barriers that we think divide us and remind us of who we are and what we're on mission for. And we're all on the same mission. And so nothing else should stop us from being, you know, co-laborers together for Christ. Right. Stott says the Christian mysteries are truths, which although beyond human discovery have been revealed by God. And so now belong openly to the whole Mm. church, Mm -hmm. the whole church. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. Verses picking up verse seven through 13 of this gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the power, by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, there's that word mystery again, to the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I like that. I just like all of that. (laughs) There's just so much. There's there's a lot to unpack here. So um, Here's another John Stott quote that I liked a lot. He said, once we are sure that the gospel is both truth from God and riches for mankind, nobody will Mm. be able to silence us. Mm. So that's what Paul is saying here. He says, 
um, that he wants to bring the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery? And so That's he's good. saying, this mystery has been revealed to me and now I cannot keep quiet about it. Yeah. And I love the contrast that we see here between Paul's humility, where he says um, that I'm the very least of all the saints, but then also his confidence in his ministry and his mission to share the truth of the gospel. And, mm. and I'm like, this is how I want to live. Yeah. Like this humble confidence because mm-hmm. he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that what he believed was true, that God was true, that the gospel was true, that Jesus came to save sinners and to reconcile us to each other and to him. Like he knew all this 100% to be true and he was confident in it, but he was also so humble. Yeah. And I think that this is so hard to do. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is so difficult, especially when you're teaching the Bible. Like this is a very, very hard thing. I think um, if you're doing any sort of ministry, if you're trying to have any sort of leadership position in the church, I guess it's hard mm-hmm. because people are going to question your integrity. They're going to question your motives. Yeah. Um, so I think that we can learn a lot from Paul and just how he was humble, but yet confident. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, specifically about verses nine and 10, Gloria Furman. She has a book. I can't remember if we've referenced it on here or not, but it's called Alive in Him. And it's um, kind of her, it's not really a commentary and it's not really a Bible study. It's kind of maybe a companion book. I don't, I'm not really sure what you'd call this, but it's um, her book on Ephesians. And so talking about um, verse nine and 10, she says that he being God, he created the universe to be the cosmic stage for the glory of his son. And he predestined the church as the leading lady (laughs) in this drama. The mystery of the church is like one big aha moment as it reveals God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so we mentioned it last week and we're going to dive into this more, but just like the role of the church and in kind of not that we need to steer away from like our individual relationship or personal relationship with the Lord, because that is extremely important and necessary and needed and true. But sometimes I think we put so much emphasis on that. And we'll kind of talk about this because there's kind of a tension. Casey and I have kind of experienced different, different ways that Mm -hmm. this plays out. But I, for me personally, I've I think I've placed so much importance on my relationship with God, my quiet time, my meeting with the Lord, that sometimes I don't focus on the role or the mystery of the church, like not like my individual local church, but like as a group of believers. And this passage is kind of reminding us that, you know, we are not the point individually and that um, God is the point and Jesus is the point and he's making people for himself, which we've talked about all the way back from Genesis. Um, and even Isaiah prophesied about this and how it's, you know, not just the Jews, we get to be a part, but that we sometimes tend to steer away from reading the Bible as to the church right? and mm-hmm. read it more as to, to myself. Ourself. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you kind of experienced that? So I want to read something um, from this John Stott book that I liked a whole lot. So this is talking about, we see where it talks about the manifold wisdom of God. And I was like, what in the world does that mean? And so this was just a beautiful description of what that means. It says um, the word for actually, let's start a little bit no that's right for the word for manifold means many colored and was used to describe flowers crowns embroidered cloth and woven carpets um the similar word 
Poi Kilos was used in um, the coat of many colors uh-huh. or richly ornamented robe, which Jacob gave his youngest son, Joseph, which we talked about. The church as a multiracial, multicultural community is like a beautiful tapestry. Its members come from a wide range of colorful backgrounds. No other human community resembles it. Its diversity and harmony are unique. It is God's new society, and the many-colored fellowship of the church is a reflection of the many-colored or many splendored to use Francis Thompson's words, wisdom of God. And so, yeah, I mean, talking about how I've, I've experienced it. I mean, I think kind of in a similar way, like I've always, I think growing up, it was just that, that, um, personal, you know, your personal relationship is so important. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was kind of on the tail of this movement away from, um, kind of like we've talked about before, like really ritualistic, Uh traditional, you know, it's like you can have a relationship with God outside of being at church on Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, you know, quiet time is so important. And all these things, like Aaron said, are important, but, um, just the more I've, been in church, the more I've read my Bible, the longer, um, we've been in ministry with my husband being a pastor, the more I'm realizing like how important, not just the local church, but the universal Mm -hmm. church is. We need to be careful because growing up, another thing that was difficult was I think the town I was in, I've talked about this a lot before too. And I think once again, I think this was just kind of the culture, but we put a lot of identity in the church we attended. It was, Uh Hey, I'm Casey and I go to yada, yada church. Like it was just kind of part of my introduction to people. And I think that in a way that's kind of natural because we desire to be um, a part of something and connected to something. And I don't think it's a bad thing to enjoy your local church and to be proud, you know, not in like a, you know, a prideful way, but to be proud of where you attend. But I also think it's important um, that we're aware that we're a part of that universal church Uh and that we should link arms with fellow believers, you know, and um, realize that we're all on the same mission. And we're all here for the same purpose to bring God glory together. And like we've talked about before, like it only makes sense. Like more hands are better than just a small amount. Like if we all were to work together toward the same purpose, toward the same mission, then we could get so much more achieved for the glory of God. And I think about things like silly things that that divide our churches, whether it's like we don't like the songs at this church or we don't like the lights at this church or whatever. Like, yes, believe it or not, people get upset about those things. Uh-huh. Like we need to put those things aside and realize that we are here for one purpose together. Yeah. And so that's one thing that I've, I've really in the past couple of years just really has changed in my heart. Not that I ever disliked other like denominations or other churches or anything like that but I've just realized that that we're all on the same mission here and just because we do things different doesn't mean that we're not all God's people and I think that that's what it's talking about with manifold like yes different ethnicities different um, cultures but just all of us together, period, like Mm -hmm. all these different colors, all these different preferences, we're all in this together. Yeah. So that was kind of a long tangent. No, I like that. (laughs) I think that's really good. I really, I just keep thinking about, I hadn't heard that quote until she read it right now, but I really like how it explains that as his wisdom, like the way Mm -hmm. that everything is multicolored, Mm -hmm. multi, you know, like all of our differences. We try to so many times, like 
oh, I just heard somebody say this. I wish I knew who it was so I could give them credit. But we try to find, um, oh, I remember. It was that life group. But it was, they were quoting Paul David Tripp. But he says, like, we try to have uniformity instead of unity. And, oh, and the Bible good. doesn't call us to uniformity. No, the Bible not calls at us all. to unity. Yes. And so I think about that with that manifold like showing his wisdom in all of our differences Mm -hmm. but still finding our identity and what we have in common and that's unity right like uniformity would be like you need to do your lights the way I do my lights at church you need to do your songs the way I do my songs at church and that's not what the Lord is calling us to and how much more beautiful is and how much more you know are we able to see God's glory in the different ways that Mm we honor him and worship him um, through those differences. And I just thought that was really good. Like we're not called to uniformity, but we are called to unity. And so that's what is showing his wisdom. And you know, when you think about it, how boring would it be if every local church you went to was yeah. the same? Yeah. Like that'd be so boring. Like yeah. the diversity is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so you've got the diversity of the different cultures and ethnicities and, and just, all the different colors, yeah. and I just like it. It makes me think of red and yellow, black and uh-huh. white. That's Abby's favorite song to sing before. Yeah, that. because, I mean, and it's just so true. We sing that as little kids, but but God made all these beautiful colors. Yeah, in um, his wisdom, for his, his glory. Wisdom, yes. Beauty. Yep. Yes. It's good. All right, 14 verses 14 to 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Here's another long run on sentence. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So now we go into um, Paul's praying Uh for the Ephesians. Yeah, I love this prayer. I think it's beautiful. I like that we see strength, love, knowledge, fullness. Those are just kind of some of the themes we see throughout it. Mm -hmm. I also like that we see a lot of Trinitarian language. We see in Father, Son, Spirit. This um, contains the memory verse for this week, which was, um, according to the riches of his glory, that you may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit into your inner being. But even before that, in verse 15, we see where it says, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And that brought me back to Genesis, reminding us of mm-hmm. how, you know, God has named every family um, in and if you were with us back in Genesis, when even all the way back to when Adam was naming Eve and naming the animals, like there's kind of two things that go with the naming, like the job of naming. Mm-hmm. One is like authority or leadership over. And the other is like, it's an intimate thing. Right. And so when we see here, he's saying, I bow my knees before the father who has named every family. He's reminding them like, God is sovereign over this and God is the leader and he has authority, but he's also intimate and cares about naming you. And so it's just a good reminder. And we've talked about this before, not specifically in in Ephesians yet, I don't think, but really just looking to see what we can learn about God from each passage. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes there are sneaky little things like you might just read over that and think from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. But if you stop and slow down, like what does that teach us about God? First of all, Paul is calling him father. So before the father whom every family is named. So if we slow down and think, what you know, God, God is so intimate with us that he cares about naming us. He is sovereign. He is, you know, our authority. And so 
I would just encourage you as you're reading through this, like really look for what you can learn about God, even in those small little things that you might typically just read right over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like um, how he's talking about the love and he says, he gives this picture and I, I read in um, John Stott's book, he, he, he talked about several different pictures that people kind of paint whenever they read this, but this one was my favorite when he says the breadth and length and height and depth. He, he says to think about a crop, Oh, I can't talk about a cross because uh-huh. you've got crops. No, like, oh, where are we crops. going with this <laughs> about a cross? Um, because you have, you know, all of that, you have up and down and yeah. out to the side. And so his mm. love is as high as oh, you can I reach like and as far down as you can go. And then his arms are open as wide as possible. And just to think about that being God's love for us. And yeah. so I like that. thought that That's was a good, good picture. That's yeah. Good. So this, again, we're going to come back to the point of, you know, individual versus church or community. And um, Gloria Furman in her book, Alive in Him, was talking about this this passage specifically. And she was actually not talking about crops, but flowers. <laughs> um, and she was saying, like, how how kind it is of God. And, and um, this is a quote from her. She says, rather than plucking us out of Christian community to show us Christ's knowledge of surpassing love, God plants us in the body mm-hmm. of Christ. This is where we are fold, fold, <laughs> filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, we grow in the garden of the local church, not in a vase by ourselves. And I think this is a good reminder because like Casey was saying, there is there has been kind of a swing of like, well, you know, you don't need the church. It's, I can have my own personal relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, it's obviously not the church where your salvation lies. But what she's saying is that, you know, the, the way that God has designed um, life for us and the way that he has designed community in his kingdom is for us to be planted with other believers mm-hmm. in community. Yep. And that's how that's one way we experience his fullness and his love is in community with one another. And I have seen this um just so much in my own life, especially in seasons of hardship where you sometimes want to withdraw and say, you know, like, no, it's just me and God right Mm -hmm. now. Like sometimes the way God is going to comfort you is through his people and, you know, through either comfort or spurring one another on or confronting sin, which is not always fun, but we have a good couple episodes on that, um, back with Hannah and the way we do that within community. And, you know, it, it's, all these ways like encouragement, sin, confronting sin, helping each other understand who God is and how to live in light of that. Like so much of that happens within community, but also on the flip side, like talking about confronting sin, like that's a way that community can help us where we have, you know, bad theology, like we've talked about on our theology episodes Mm -hmm. or, um, things that we might like blind spots that we might not be aware of, like arrogance or gossip or things like that, where, we don't think that's, you know, hindering our relationship with Christ, but within community, we're, mm-hmm. we're made aware of that. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, I thought that was a really good take on that, of that what she's talking about, what he's talking about, what Paul's talking about here is that it's within this context that the Lord has put us in where we can be filled with the fullness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was telling Cadence that, and I already shared this with you, but Cadence has been struggling because some of our friends might not be coming back to our homeschool group next uh-huh. year. And she came in my room crying one night, just so upset. And I told her, I said, Cadence, the Lord built us for community. Mm-hmm. And when you have good 
community, like within the body of Christ, he wants that and he desires that for us. And so I told her, I said, I believe that he will provide that for us because that is part of his plan and that is part of his design. And she was like, okay, you know, I could see just kind of a peace fall over her because I really truly do believe that. I believe now I don't think, and Aaron's talked about it before about how she'll go and like grab someone on the playground and say, (laughs) you need community and grab them because I don't think that it's just going to happen passively. I, I think that it's something that it has to be active on our part. I don't think that just sitting back and saying, bring community to me is going to happen. I think we have to try for it. But I think if we are active um, in that, I think the Lord will provide that because I mean, as it says right here, like that's a part of his plan. Yeah. I think sometimes we have like this victim mentality of, well, you know, I I don't have any friends or I don't Uh, have a good church community or I'm not involved in a small group or whatever because nobody's approached us. Well, you have to step out and you you have to look for that. But I believe if you are active, God will provide that because that's what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. good. That's good. So the last little bit, um, verses 20... 20 and 21. 21. Okay. 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Sounds like it's the end of the book, but it's not. It's not. But it's kind of the end (laughs) of the first three chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this passage can be taken out of context Mm -hmm. and applied misapplied but we don't really need to talk about that i like um, (laughs) (laughs) i like how paul is ending this you know this first section these three chapters of what the gospel is with a reminder of who god is he's not like Mm -hmm. reminding them who they are he's reminding them of who god is and i mean we've said it on here before but jen has jen wilkin has a quote something along the lines of like it's not going to be knowledge of who we are that that comforts us or you know is best for us. What we really need is a reminder of who God is. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, you know, it's to him who is able to do far more abundantly for his glory, for the church, for Jesus Christ, for all generations. And so I just think it's, it's really a good way to end this section of saying, you know, it's not about you. It's about God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we're going to move into, you know, what we've learned well, now that we've learned what the gospel is. Now we'll talk about how, how to, to live, live that out. That. And I just love, I am going to go here just a little bit, how he is able to do far more abundantly Uh than we can ask or think. And I just think of in, you know, the past, I, I look at maybe 10 years of my life, I could go back even further, but just there have been so many things that like I couldn't even dream of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just take this podcast, for instance. Right. That to this to me is God's abundance. Yeah. Like this is far more than mm-hmm. I could ever imagine mm-hmm. our, the ministry that we're doing. But even, I mean, even my children and my friends. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's far more than I could ever imagine. And his yeah. plans are far greater than I could ever imagine. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. It's not about things, you know, it's not about, um, the prosperity gospel at all, but it's just that his ways are higher and better and greater than ours will ever be. And we just, sometimes when the day's really crummy and when things aren't that great, we just need to rest in that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. Do you have a memory verse for chapter four? Um, yes, it is 
four. What were we doing? Four. Starting oh, in one. That's right. We are going to just start in one and just challenge you to memorize as far as you can. Yes. So if I'm you just so excited get, about this. If you just get verses one and two memorized, that is awesome. If you get all the way to eight. All the way to eight. That's <laughs> awesome too. Just memorize as far as you can because this first part of um, chapter four is wonderful. Yeah. See you next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.